So this morning, we're taking a break from Genesis. We're going to jump back in next week. We're going to be in Acts chapter 20. And uh, it's a kind of a unique passage, uh, but I think we will see some implications and really the fruit of a church plant. Um, and as we as the Crossing Church want to be a church planting church, how we can trust the Lord as we press in to plant more churches. So Acts chapter 20, um, we're going to start in verse 17. So if you have a Bible, feel free to open it up. Um, And as I read, would you all please stand as we show reverence to God's word and hear from him. Okay, this is Acts chapter 20. Uh, the, The he and the him referred to is the Apostle Paul. So just keep that in mind. So starting in verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's so good to have everyone here this morning. Lord, thank you for this facility that you have provided us. But Lord, most importantly, thank you for the church. Jesus, the church that you bought with your blood. And Lord, I pray just that you would wash us, that you would encourage us, that you would motivate us, and Lord, that we would hear from you now. Lord, I am dependent on you, and all of us are dependent on you, and we just ask that you would speak here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. All right. First question, what is precious to you? What is precious to you? We saw that word in verse 24, precious. Oftentimes when I think of the word precious, I think of Schmeagel from the Lord of the Rings. Yes, my precious. No, but what's precious to you? I'm sure you can come up with a list of many things. One thing that has been most precious to me here over the last five months is my daughter, Margo. She's right there in the back with Michelle. Go ahead, give her the little Simba. There she is. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. How precious is that? No, I'm I'm telling you. I walk into a room, I start making noises, and she turns her little precious head and she starts smiling. And holy cow, grips my heart. So we have three boys and now we have a girl. And... I don't really remember what the other three boys were like, but at five months, man, she has gripped my heart. Holy cow. She's as delicate as a flower, 
Yet when she smiles at me, it's as strong as a hurricane. She is very precious to me. And whether it's Solomon, Jude, or Augie, who's over here hanging out with Zeke, (laughs) even Michelle, they're, they're all precious to me. They're very precious to me. And the gravitational pull that they have on my heart is very strong. It's very strong. But if I'm not careful, those gravitational pulls will overtake my affection and my love for Jesus. You see, Jesus has given us good gifts, and we are to, very, we are to value those gifts very much. But the greatest gift that we've ever been given is salvation that comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And if we are not careful, and specifically if I am not careful, and if I don't watch out, these other good gifts are going to usurp and take over my affection. But the reality is, is these good gifts, whatever is precious in your life, or whatever is precious in my life, they're not as precious as Jesus. They don't satisfy us like Jesus does. They don't show us the righteous way to live like Jesus does. They don't encourage us. They don't discipline us. They don't love us like Jesus loves us. My love for Jesus grips my heart stronger than any other thing in this world. And I want it to grip your hearts too. I want it to grip your hearts so that we sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin did leave a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Jesus is most precious to me. So Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me out of a dark lifestyle when I was living for myself. But he didn't just rescue me from the domain of darkness. He didn't just save me from judgment and alienation from God. He saved me to something. He gave me purpose. He gave me meaning. He gave me significance in why I want to live my life. And he's done that for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus as well. And so that's our focus this morning. We're going to focus on how the love of God grips our hearts to the point where We testify to that love of God. We testify to the grace of God shown to us through Jesus Christ. And so, in our passage this morning, from Acts 20, we see that it is the love of God that actually was the fuel for Paul's church planting ministry. And while I want to unpack this passage and all its value, honestly, I can't do that. I can't do that when there's 50 kids sitting in here who are ready to go already, and I'm only five minutes in. Um, But I have some other things to share with you as well. But if you want to know some of the depths from this passage, we preached on this passage over two sermons. It's about three years ago. You can go on our website under the sermons page. You'll see the Acts banner, and you can find it from Acts chapter 20. I encourage you to go listen to it. So I'm not going to do justice to the full extent of this passage today as much as I just really want to. (laughs) But we're going to look briefly at Paul's approach for ministry and how that should be our approach to fuel us to plant more churches here with the Crossing and the Crossway Chapel Network. So the context of our passage here today, Paul, 
He's on his third missionary journey. He's planted many churches, and he's on his way back to Jerusalem to deliver a financial gift. And he's actually in a hurry. So he doesn't stop in the town of Ephesus. He stops in a town next to it called Miletus. And while he's there, he calls the elders to himself. It's about a three-day journey. They come, and he shares some very near and dear things to his heart. And if you read the full extent of this text, you, you come to find out that this is probably the last time that Paul is going to speak to this group of men, to these elders. And it's emotional, they're very sorrowful, they cry, they weep at the end. Last words are lasting. Last words are lasting. And Paul has entrusted these men who he spent three years with, He's entrusted them with the gospel, and they in turn are to go and teach that gospel, not just to the people of Ephesus, but the towns and the cities around it, and plant more churches. So, he shares in uh, verse, let me, let me get my bearings here straight, verse 20. Sorry, in verse, uh, in verse 18, he says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Paul's approach here. He wants this, these lasting words that are lasting. He wants to refer back to his ministry endeavors. His example that he set forth. And that is to be the motivation that they are to press on. So, let's see here. Paul's ministry was, in fact, a teaching ministry. He says, you know how I lived among you. He declared to them the gospel of God. He testified to them of the grace of God. He proclaimed the kingdom of God to them. He taught them. He admonished them. Paul was gripped by the love of God. And it was the very motivation that caused him to go from city to city, teach the gospel, raise up men who then he could entrust the ministry to. And then the men and the women in that church would go out and be salt and light as they were built up in the faith. And he says that his life, in verse 24, his life is only valuable to him if he testifies to the gospel of God's grace. And he goes on later in the passage, which we did not read, and he says that fierce wolves, enemies, opponents are going to come in. But there's even going to be people who arise up with him, and they're going to speak twisted things, different things. They're going to lead them astray from the gospel. And if you know your New Testament... You know that Paul addresses these things in his letters to Timothy. Timothy spent five years in the town of Ephesus, and Paul calls out some of these false teachers who have arisen from within. But also in the book of Revelation, in Jesus' letters to the seven churches, the first letter is to the church in Ephesus. And you know what he says to them? He says that they have abandoned their first love. 
they have abandoned their first love, which is for the gospel, for the grace of God shown through Christ. And so I'm going to ask you guys the question again, what is precious to you? What do you value? Are you gripped by the love of God? There are a million things vying for your affection that are trying to usurp your love for God. But we need a stronger gravitational pull on our own hearts. And that's namely the love of God shown to us in Christ. And if you think about it for a moment, if you think about where you've come from in your journey with Jesus, I think it's a really helpful exercise. It's a really helpful exercise to remember what has God done for you? How has God demonstrated his own love to you, for you? The reality is, is somebody probably told you about Jesus. Somebody testified to the gospel of God's grace in your life. And as you opened up the scriptures, he revealed himself even more to you. And you turned towards God, repentance towards God. And you believed in Jesus. And he's coming to your heart. And he loves you. And he cherishes you. This is the strong gravitational pull. And he doesn't just save you. He doesn't just forgive you, although that is good news. We need to be forgiven for our rebellion against God. He doesn't just put you in a neutral spot. No, he welcomes you into his family. He gives you a seat at the table. You were an enemy, and now you are part of the family. Ladies and gentlemen, that is good news. He dwells within you. He gives you the community, the church, and he grows you in his grace. This is the strong gravitational pull. This is the love of God that should grip our hearts. Is it valuable to you? Are you gripped? Now, some of you might be walking in here today and you might not be in a good spot with the Lord. Whether you, you don't know him and you're searching for him, this is a good place for you to be. Or maybe there's a circumstance in your life that has caused great pain and great hurt. And I'm going to point you to a verse that we sang about and I'm going to point you to verses that we need to remember. Romans eight twenty eight. It says, for those who love God... Those who love God, he works out all things for the good of those who love him. Those who are called according to his purpose. But we can't divorce that verse from the following two. Because the next verse says, For those that God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Whatever you're walking through right now, God is using that to turn you into more and more like Jesus. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Ladies and gentlemen, these verses, these verbs, they're in the past tense. This is work that God has done for you. So if you are battling with the love of God here this morning, let me just encourage you, remember what God has done for you. Remember what he has done for you. And talk to people about that. Talk to people in the community about that. It should not be a foreign thing that the people of God regularly talk about the love of God in their lives. 
This is the extraordinary work of God. That He changes rebels, haters, into servants who want to serve the living God, who love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love their neighbor as their self. They are gripped by the love of God shown to us in Jesus. You want to know what I believe is the greatest deterrent to sinful actions in our lives? It's a deeper love for God. You want to know what is the greatest deterrent to you being bent out of shape for whatever happened to you this week, whether your reputation was smeared or your name was dragged through the mud, a greater love for God. You want to know what the most effective church planning strategy is in all of the world? You guessed it, a greater love for God. One of my life verses, 2 Corinthians five fourteen, For the love of Christ compels us. For the love of Christ controls us because we are convinced that one has died. And he who died no longer lives for himself and we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised. So I could sit up here and rattle off 15 reasons why we need more churches here in Fort Collins and in Colorado, northern Colorado. But they're deficient to the greatest need. The greatest need that we, the people of God, need is a continued, ongoing affection and love for God. He must be our highest treasure. So some of you might be like, what does that have to do with church planning? (laughs) I think it has to do everything with church planning. So many of you know that we are part of a network of churches. But if you don't, the name of that network is called Crossway Chapel. And I want to give you just a, a brief history about it. started in 1993 here in Fort Collins. Tom Harkis planted Mountain View Community Church. And from there, Mountain View planted many more churches. But right now, in the United States, we have 14 churches in the Crossway Chapel Network. We have 20, over 20, worldwide one of whom Rich and Jess are going to go see in the Czech Republic here this week. But here in northern Colorado, we have five. We have us, The Crossing. We have Mountain View here in Fort Collins, Redemption down in Loveland, Windsor Community Church over in Windsor, and High Plains Harvest out in Alt with Mark Hotelling and the crew. And I just want to bring some stats to you guys. As of 2015, 2017, I'm sorry, there were 165,000 people who lived right here in Fort Collins. And in all of northern Colorado, that number grows to 650,000 people. That's in 2017. There's more than that right now. And statistics say that about 15% of these people, 650,000 only 15% of them are churched, are involved in any sort of spiritual life. 15%. The projected population growth in northern Colorado by 2040 is going to be 1.2 million. 
For those of you who are quick with your math, kids, I don't know if you are, uh, that's doubling in size over the next 20 years, northern Colorado. And praise God that we here in northern Colorado, through the Crossway Chapel Network, we are established. We are established with, we have churches, we are raising up leaders, we have been pooling 5% of our donations for the specific purpose of church planting. Guys, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. We have a tremendous responsibility, but also privilege and opportunity to plant more churches to bear witness of the love of God. So, last month, August 2019, there was about 10 of us from the five churches here in northern Colorado. 10 of us got together for two days, and we sought the Lord. Lord, what are you doing? How can we plant more churches? And it was a very fruitful time. It was a fruitful time to, to look back and see where God has taken us and to remember his faithfulness. But it was also fruitful to develop a mission and a vision for the next 10 years. So we decided on a mission statement. And that mission statement is Crossway Chapel here in northern Colorado. We are a family of churches in northern Colorado who plant and support multiplying churches. We are a family. We're not friends. We're family. We realize that in order to plant, we are better together. We are here in a geographical area, northern Colorado, And we want to plant and support. We don't just want to start new churches. We want to support, whether that's through revitalization of old churches or the sending churches. The network exists to support multiplying churches. And that's who we are as a network. And you guys are a part of that. The Crossing Church is a part of this mission. As we seek to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God and the joy of his people. It very much fits within our vision here as a church. So, we're going to need all hands on deck because we have a vision to plant 10 churches in 10 years here in northern Colorado. 10 by 2030 is what we're calling it. We want to plant 10 churches in 10 years, and we need all hands on deck for that. Now, I want to introduce you guys to someone who I believe is going to be a vital player in the planting of churches right here in northern Colorado. So, Clark Richardson, come on up, brother. I want to introduce you guys to my friend here. Gotten to know this brother. And Clark has actually been hired by the region of five churches. Here you go. And uh, Clark is going to share with us. So, I have a, a few questions for him. I'm going to put them on the hot seat for a minute. And, uh, I, but I think Clark has a unique journey, and I want to invite you guys into where the Lord has brought him and where I believe God is going to use him to uh, help us fulfill this vision. So, Just no theology questions, please. No theology? Okay. I'll save the one that Cyrus mentioned to me. Uh, all right. First question. True or false? The game of ice hockey is the greatest game in the world. <laughs> Careful. False. Sorry, oh, but 
Okay. Sorry, I still like football. Chicago Bears. Okay. Second if you guys question. missed that last week, I might want to rewind and look at it again. So. Second question: Which is your favorite NFL football team? The Chicago Bears. Uh, yes. Not, not off to a good there's something about there's something good morning anyways by the way everyone <laughs> there's something about moving into a location they tell you you got to change or you double down you know like no i'm not going to change so yeah. anyways a little bit of rebel in me i guess that's all right that's all right broncos aren't looking too good um, just kidding this is about jesus not football maybe about hockey but this is about jesus okay i see that you have a ring on your finger so yes, are, you, are you married Yes, I am. Yes. yes. Wife's so, name. Do you have my wife is Trisha. Is right over here. She's uh, she's joined us this morning, and um, and we have five kids, and they're all over the place. Uh, one's out of college and in Nashville, making a making a life as a drummer. We hope, anyways. And then my daughter's a, a junior at Wheaton College. She'll finish up next year. And then we've got two sons in high school here, and then our little girl Gracie is uh, homeschooled. So Trisha's working hard at that. So nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and we have a treat this weekend. We have uh, her folks are in town from Illinois as well. So it's great Thanks to have Lord. them. So Frank and Lee. Nice. So, great. <clears throat> and just, hey, just one thing real quick. I don't want to get detract from your the interview um, questions. But um, so Daniel mentioned the, the church that was first planted by Tom Harkis. And he came from a church in Illinois. And um, that church was started by my, my father-in-law right there. So wow. the generation, generations go way back. That's so cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. so you guys just moved out here? Yep. yep. Yes. And, and where'd you move from? So we moved from 30 miles west of Chicago, a town called Aurora, Illinois. Okay. We lived on Colorado Avenue in Aurora, Illinois. Nice. So, yeah. Perfect. Providential. Yeah. <laughs> so. And tell us about what was your role? What were you doing there in Aurora? Yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, Crossway Chapel Fox Valley is a church that's a part of the network as well, and um, we're one of the 15 churches that Daniel mentioned. And I, I had the privilege, by God's grace, of replanting that church in 2009, and I was the lead pastor of, from that point until now. And uh, yeah, so that's what I was doing. That's great. Yep. And could you just invite us into the story of how God providentially directed yeah. your steps to move to Colorado? Yeah, so it was pretty amazing. Um, God is um, always, we're, we're a family network, as, as Daniel mentioned, and so um, we're sharing resources, sharing people across the country, and Tom, who planted in 1993, who planted Mountain View, moved on from there as Mountain View got strong, moved on and planted the church in North Carolina. You guys know Crossway Chapel of Wilmington. And then as that church became strong and began to move forward, uh, at the same time we realized, or I realized, that I probably wasn't a lead pastor kind of guy, and so I just was seeking the Lord on what He would have. And um, by His grace, Tom became available to come up to Chicagoland, um, where he came from originally. So, so that was just God moving in amazing ways to bring a whole lot of things. And people just... Um, a lot of people kind of holding on to life loosely and wanting Jesus to be exalted by their lives and be impactful. And so they went from the beach of North Carolina back to Chicagoland. And so they joined us there and we worked together for a couple of years. And then that began to free me up to consider what God might have for us either at, either at that church or somewhere else in the network. And and, um, and so at the same time, as I was kind of processing life and trying to figure out exactly um, where God would call me to serve kind of finish hard in life and ministry, um, I kind of had this heart for just a, a kind of high-level administrative job that would be pastoral in nature, but also lots of moving pieces and kind of uh, all the details and, and all the ins and outs of ministry that 
things like Aaron Santini really doesn't like, right? This, all that detail stuff. And, and, but I love it and uh, thrive in it. And because he's out there on vision, you know, he's like casting the vision. Let's go, everybody, you know. And, and, um, and at the same time, the network was putting together this idea of a, of a common administrator, of somebody who could help facilitate this collaboration. And yeah. so never in a million years thought it would be me by any stretch. Um, but that's what God was doing. So, yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord that he's directed you. So you're the executive admin of the Colorado region. Executive administrator, everybody. Ooh. Yeah. So what does an executive administrator do? I don't know, bro. You tell me, man. I'm (laughs) trying to figure it out. So no, it's um, really, you can imagine five churches um, really wanting to collaborate as family together. And um, there is a ton of detail that goes into that, um, obviously. Um, to get five pastor teams who are all busy and on vision together for their own local assemblies, like you guys, um, to come together and to be able to, to collaborate on planning churches, there's a lot of communication, collaboration, details that have to take place there. And what these men have said is, hey, we're going to lean on you to help kind of draw us, draw us together as we're, we're kind of coming together. And then we go back out and we're charging the gates of hell with our own ministries, and, and then we'll come back together and, and collaborate all the more. And so that's, I, by God's grace, get to be at the center of that, and I'm, it's such a privilege, and I hope it's effective. I hope it works to be effective. So, yeah. yeah that's good. So, um, here's an interesting question. Is the network a denomination? No, it's not. Why not? <laughs> um, well, so not to say that every denomination is like this, but um, we, so Crossway Chapel, you may know this, and as, as your leaders have led, you've heard this, we are not a top-down kind of ministry. You, that's, that's not the expression here at your local church. It's not an expression at any of our leadership levels where there's kind of a top-down. There's, there's an authority that dictates everything else. And most denominations are organized like that, and, and we're much more like Daniel's been saying, a family of churches together. And so we function interdependently. Kids say interdependently. Interdependently. So, um, yeah, we, so we are dependent on one another as churches and as leadership teams, and um, our visions play off each other and all of that. And, and so um, there are some things that are administrative, like the 5% of pooling of funds and those kinds of things. But um, we don't have a governing board that sort of dictates what happens at the local church level. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Is yeah. A little bit? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So the authority still rests in the local churches, yes. not in you as a employee of Crossway Chapel or any Well, definitely that. not me. I'm like a peon. I'm like... <laughs> yes. Yes. You, you are here to serve us. Yeah. And just like the churches are... Um, it's, it's all about planting more churches. And the network exists to serve the churches. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it's a privilege. Last, sure. last question. As, as you're here with the Crossing Church, you, you go to Mountain View, right? Yeah. Yes. We're yes. attending Mountain View right now. Yes. It's good. Yeah. Hey, we'd love to yeah. have you. The yeah. Lord leads you guys. But yeah. as you're here with the Crossing Church, as, we, as we've talked about this 10 by 20, 30 vision, 10 churches, 10 years, it's a big thing that we're trusting the Lord for. Any thoughts on how maybe our people can contribute to that vision? Wow, yeah. Um, well, the church is the body of Christ. It's people, right? So um, the church is not, it's not just pastors. It's not just leaders. It's people. And that's you. You are, you are the body parts of this, this local assembly, and you're the body parts of this collaboration of churches together. And so 
um, like Daniel was saying, it's kind of all hands and on deck, and it's it's everybody in all in on what Jesus has called you to in your life, a life of purpose, a life of investment. And, um, and so I, I would say, I think, remember, at the, at the two-day meeting you mentioned, you may remember this, we, we kind of assessed um, all the strengths and weaknesses. We probably spent half the day um, on the, the first day assessing sort of the strengths and weaknesses and the effectiveness of our ministries. And one of the things that we, we felt like we were really middle of the road on, we got a three out of five. Remember, we had the, the scale of five was on um, just fostering a multiplication heart within our churches. So doing great at leading, uh, developing leaders, uh, church planning vision, but, but then getting that multiplication mindset down into the hearts and the lives of people. And, and so that's at multiplying at all different levels, at your small group levels. Your, your, you call them life groups here? Mm-hmm. Life yep. groups. Um, you know, smaller groups of accountability, those kind of things. And multiplying your very life like who you are in Jesus, right? Um, your life is, is, as you're saying in this text, Daniel, is, is not your own. It's not precious to you. It's Jesus. It belongs to Him. And, and so the, just the, I think the whole heart of, of just out of a love for God, just saying, just holding life loosely and saying, I'm yours, Lord, to do whatever you want. I want to be useful to the Master. And, and that's going to foster this beautiful multiplying culture um, in our churches. And that will impact the collaboration as well. And um, so I think if, if I could say anything, the biggest thing was just to be to surrender to Jesus' call, to hold life loosely and say, here I am, use me, use me to invest in the lives of people around me, that person right next to you right now, um, and be ready to go if, you know, if God might call you to, to Greeley or to one of the other, um, you know, to Timnath. Timnath has grown by 527% in 10 years. It was 396 people 10 years ago. It's 4,000 now. It's going to be 12,000 people in another 10 years. It's going to triple in size. That's where we live. That's why I know those things. And, and, and so the mission is, is huge and what God's calling us to. And so you're all a part of that. You two kids, you're, there's future church planners in this room right now. Like you're holding one there maybe, you know? So praise God for that. So yeah, that's, does that help at all? I that's hope great, that's bro. an encouragement. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Clark. All right, man. Yeah. Let's give him a hand. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yeah. All hands on deck. We're going to need every single person who's a part of it. Man, I love the, the idea of the multiplication mindset, a multiplication culture. And it starts right here. It starts with the individuals that make up this body. And as we have seats full of children, this is the next generation that we are to invest in, that we are to share the gospel with, testify to the grace of God. And we are to build them up in that grace whenever they say, yes, Jesus, I want to believe you. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. We'll baptize them and week in and week out, they're going to hear from God's word in churches. That's why these family integrated times are so valuable because it's training them to hear from God and value the people of God. So multiplication mindset, yep, not just on an individual level in our homes, but it's in your workplaces, it's on the sports fields where you hobby. Are we going to testify to the gospel of God's grace? Are we gripped by the love of God so much that we want to? I sure hope so. And we as a church want to help you with that. We want to equip you with that. So we're going to need all hands on deck. All hands on deck to go, to plant, 
but we also need people to stay and to continue this multiplication mindset right here with our church here in Fort Collins to reproduce it, to send more churches. I think one of the big things that we learned from when we planted Choice City five years ago was how to continue to resource, to how to continue to equip our people. And man, five years later, praise God, we have six new life group leaders we, who are leading life groups in community. They, they have co-leaders with them. Praise God, we have deacons that are taking care of some of the physical needs here around our building. And praise God that we have many people who are making their lives count on an individual level, but also on a community level. So, we do need all hands on deck. We do need people to go who are gripped by the love of God, who want to testify to the grace of God. We have, uh, we have our eye as the Crossing Church. We have our eye on Johnstown right now. Right now we have three families that live in Johnstown, and we started a life group there this January. And praise God, it's, it's going well. We're trusting the Lord for potentially those people, among other people, to help plant a church. We realize that in order to plant churches, we need teams of people to go. And someday we might ask you to be on one of those teams. And my charge for you guys here this morning is first, are you gripped by the love of God? Are you willing to do whatever He wants you to do? Because He did everything so that you could live with Him. So are you gripped by the love? And then secondly, are, are you open-handed? Are you willing to say, Lord, my life is not my own. My life is not precious to me. Let me just encourage you, pray. It's probably the most effective means that could come from this sermon is to pray, not just for the 10 by 20, 30 vision, although we do need prayer for that, but pray for an open-handedness. And especially if you're sitting in here right now and you're like, oh no, I'm not going. That's not me. Because <laughs> that was me one time. That was me when somebody came and said, hey, what do you think about being a pastor? Oh no, that's not me. But the grace of God moved in my heart and I followed the Lord's call. And let us follow his call as well. So, the grace of God shown to Paul and to us has been the love of God. He demonstrated that through Christ. So let us sing of that. Children, let us testify to that in our schools, in our homes, with our friends. And let us plant churches so that more people come to know the love of God and that more people are built up in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.